0: tell you how the world is wrong the world is wrong about mad dog time the, the paperboy paper mortikai after last season
1: the,
2: the world is wrong is an extremely positive podcast where andras jones and brian connolly champion films the world is wrong about for the Paperhouse Network. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brian Connolly. And you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andros Jones.
1: Welcome to
2: We're Radio 8 Ball
0: give us a shake We're in the sky We're here at Starburn's tempting fate You're in questions too Putting questions you're too, too. Yeah.
2: Welcome to the Radio 8 Ball Show. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. This is Radio 8 Ball Season 3, The Happening, 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 Apony. 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 Apony, 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 Apony where we are engaging the Pop Oracle using the Radio 8 Ball app, which is filled with every song recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball, as well as a couple of hundred of my own. I hope by now you've downloaded the Radio 8 Ball app. If you're an iPhone user, it's free and it allows you to play host and conduct your own musical divinations just as we do here on the show. The app also plays the latest podcast and selects the randomly chosen Pop Oracle Song of the Day. Last week's episode of Radio 8 Ball, I asked, Does Paul Simon owe stuff writing credit for One Trick Pony? And received as my randomly chosen answer, Good, performed by Kirillyn Kane live on Radio 8 Ball at Starburns Industries in Burbank, California on July 29th, 2018.
1: All night I've come to find nothing true but desire.
2: Last week, on Saturday, December twelfth, around two PM, when I was recording my interpretation of Kira's song, I heard a loud report from somewhere in my neighborhood. I thought it might be a firework. For a moment, I wondered if it was a gunshot, but that seemed like a fanciful notion. I've been watching way too many thrillers and crime dramas in quarantine. But it turns out I was correct about the gunshot. A clash between Trump supporters, Black Lives Matter protesters, and local police at the state capitol, which is just blocks from my apartment, resulted in a BLM protester being shot by one of the Trump supporters. The man who was shot wasn't killed, which is great, well, not great, but better than if he had been killed. He is black. The police arrested the man who did the shooting, and he is white and it tends to go unmentioned but after the shooting and the arrests the police used military tactics to disperse the BLM protesters well, the man
1: in the mountain he told me i was brave.
2: What does that all matter? I don't know. It just happened outside of my home, and... Anyway, that was happening while I was recording the last episode, and I thought it was worth reporting. This episode will be coming out on the winter solstice. I don't know where you are when you're hearing this, but it gets very dark in the northwest of the United States, where I live, from the beginning of November until the returning of the light, which begins this year on December 21st. My experience is that even when I'm in sunny Southern California in December, I can feel the darkness of this time of year. In fact, in the absence of the outward signs of the season, I found this can be even more disorienting. At least when it gets dark around 4 p.m., you get a sense why you might be getting depressed. I've learned over the years to count on two things to help me navigate this season. The first is vitamin D. This is especially helpful if you live in an area deprived of sunlight, as I do. The other and more valuable ameliorative strategy for navigating this season is the patience that comes from knowing a change is on the horizon. This knowledge, hard-earned over many decades, has taught me to question any thoughts that feel particularly hopeless during this time of year, and to wait until after the solstice to make any big life decisions or judgments It's also good to remember that everyone you know is experiencing some of this same sense of trying to keep the overwhelming vacuum of night at bay. And most of them don't even think about solstices and the actual impact of these not-so-subtle shifts in global momentum. So it really is a season to be as kind and as patient with ourselves and each other as possible. It goes without saying that this winter solstice is uniquely challenging. Some of us have been holed up for months and months alone. We've found strategies for psychological survival ranging from Zoom calls to alcohol, from yoga to learning a new language to cataloging our porn collections, and even to producing podcasts like this one. And we're probably all wondering what it's going to be like to emerge... And what the world we emerge into will be like. This will be the focus of today's episode. Let's start with the randomly chosen Pop Oracle Song of the Day for today, December 18th, 2020. It's a doozy, and it requires a little bit of an explanation. Or you could get very disoriented. You know how I say when I'm talking about the app in the intro that it's filled with every song recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball, as well as a couple of hundred of my own? Well, today's is one of those. But it's even weirder than that. You see, my tracks in the app range from official releases to demos some of reasonably high quality, but some that were recorded when I was a teenager singing into a boombox late at night in the bathroom to keep from waking up my neighbors or even my mom. That's how far back these go. And there are plenty of live recordings, some solo and some with my band, the previous. Today's randomly chosen Pop Oracle Song of the Day was recorded at a little acoustic venue in Ferndale, Michigan called Gotham City in the autumn of 1994. My band Mr. Jones and the Previous were on our way to Boston to record our album The Hard Feelings at Q-Division Studio with Mike Dineen, who I talked about on the John Bryan episode of the World is Wrong podcast. What I didn't say on that episode was that The Hard Feelings was this massive song cycle loosely based on and addressing my tempestuous relationship with my Nightmare on Elm Street 4 co-star Tuesday night. And what you are about to hear is going to be Mr. Jones and the previous performing pretty much the first two-thirds of the record, eight songs. Make you strong, too nice, never tell, time to go, can't get your ring from my finger, until election day, ugly inside, and why must you be so mean? The band on this tour included John Nason on lead guitar, Marshall Thompson on keyboards, Colin Mahoney on drums, and R. Walt Vincent on bass guitar. I'll be back to unpack this massive track in 39 minutes. So pour yourself the beverage of your choice and sit back or dance along with Mr. Jones and the previous performing The Hard Feelings.
1: Anyway, so we're going The Hard Feelings thing Turn out the lights Stop dancing Mm -hmm. On your misery Mm -hmm. i Stop this scene, and I can get you off my We'll Later, that's a good place to place some
2: That was my then wife, Heidi Love, pushing the new live tapes, and that exchange is one of those elements that carries so much more impact now than we could have known in that meaningless moment of stage chatter. I have no idea what listening to that was like for you. For me, Listening to my friends and I working out these tracks for a room full of unsuspecting coffee drinkers was simultaneously nostalgic and embarrassing and gratifying. I wish I could hear it as you do. Are the parts I'm proud of as good as I think? Does the talent of my band inspire you? Or does the bootleg sound quality make it unlistenable? I was incredibly lucky to have convinced such heavy cats to accompany me on my feudal swings at infamy, and I'd like to think that this document communicates some of what it felt like. But beyond all that egoic bullshit, the theme of hard feelings is certainly appropriate to navigating these last days before the returning of the light. It's a time of looking back fondly and with regret on our previous work, and on those we traveled many youthful miles with, but may have lost touch with in the interim. It's a time of feeling the absences as well as the presence left behind on tape and in our memories. I could say a lot more, but after singing and shouting at you from out of the past for almost 40 minutes there, that seems a mite redundant. So. Let's get to my solstice question for the Pop Oracle, shall we? This week on the World is Wrong podcast, my co-host Brian Connolly and I are talking about the Adam Sandler film Jack and Jill. It's one of Brian's favorite films and certainly qualifies as a movie the world is wrong about. It also led to a really, and I'm not being sarcastic when I say it, a really fun conversation about anti-Semitism. How is that possible, you may ask? Well, I asked something similar on a recent Patreon bonus episode. So my question is, will it ever be easier to talk about anti-Semitism? And now I'm going to give the Pop Oracle a shake. It's a song from Chris Sandman Sand with the Radio 8 band, and the song Radio Works Fine. And to engage the pop oracle, I am now going to spin the wheel of eight. Song number four.
3: Radio works fine. The trucker on the road just spilled a heavy load, and his truck it almost roll off the highway. Well, his '55.
2: I asked that question with a certain amount of hopelessness, but I really should have listened to the optimistic answer performed by Sandman and the Radio 8-Band. The Radio 8-Ball does indeed work fine. Yet, my experience of trying to engage the conversation of anti-Semitism hasn't generally been positive and mostly as resulted in losing friends and professional opportunities and becoming a target of slander and ridicule online and in person. Unlike the coming of the solstice, it's impossible to know when or if the evolution of consciousness making difficult conversations possible will come in one's lifetime, or after, or at all. Thus, I was pleasantly surprised when in my conversation with Brian about Jack and Jill, he brought up anti-Semitism as a possible explanation for the intense hostility directed at Adam Sandler in general, and the film Jack and Jill in particular. Now, I'm usually the one who brings up anti-Semitism, as I said, and it's rarely appreciated, so having a non-Jewish friend raise the issue and engage it with such vigor and good humor was pretty great for me. And I didn't even get the sense it was that difficult for Brian. Both of us spent most of the conversation laughing and smiling and enjoying each other's company and each other's shared love for this misunderstood film. I feel like there's a lesson in this. And considering that My question, which I asked with such hopelessness, was answered far sooner than I could have hoped, and so easily. It really hits home how deeply each of us can, in the right situation, elevate each other and bring light to each other's lives just by listening and laughing and maybe sharing an appreciation for something else, a work of art or a good meal or a fellow friend. And this brings me to my question for the Pop Oracle. So, okay, while I'm opening the Radio 8 Ball app, which, of course, you can download from the iTunes app store. And here is my question. Who do I know who's dying inside for a conversation I can provide? Who do I know who's dying inside for a conversation I can provide? And now, I'm going to give it a shake (laughs) well we're back to Sandman and ceremonial offering ceremonial off
3: ring off dash ring The very first woman who I did marry was African-American, and she was very beautiful, humble, patient, and true. They say opposites attract because, in fact, they do. I was a dumbass punk back then, wicked harsh. She was a good woman, good, so smart. See, I was only 19. She was 26, but, man, how we loved to hold hands and lock lips. Nothing kinky. She was devout. I put a ring on her finger, yeah, but it didn't pan out. <laughs> ceremonial offering. I was too young. I think she found me exhausting. Plus, I was a heathen. She was into her god thing first ceremonial offering strike my second wife had eyes like wasabi hot little body met her in the lobby of a delicatessen she was jewish and proud she'd always interrupt me so i learned to be loud we fell in love got married moved into a fine house she felt trapped and snapped like amy winehouse i spent some nights in the pine boughs like kurt cobain Screwed around, started smoking that burnt cocaine. When I returned home, I got kicked out. My own spouse evicted me from my own house. That was that. I went from fat cat to lone mouse. Packed my bags and dragged my ass to my mom's house. Ooh, ceremonial offering. I took my gold band to the Pawn King and pawned it. I cracked up, and I guess it ended up costing me my second ceremonial offering. Strike well here's the deal y'all three strikes are out or is it third time's a charmer's three's a crowd once bitten twice shy twice bitten nice guy i was staring down the barrel of a called third strike damn it's like the game was tied two outs full count ninth inning oh my strike three what can i say I met her in a junk shop on Capitol Way. She was digging through a drawer labeled lingerie while the radio played Raspberry Beret. She was elegant and cool, like Kate Blanchett, but with a punk attitude and tattoos on her neck. I said, nice to meet you. I'm Prince Johnny Rotten. She said, yeah, right. I'm Cinderella Bin Laden. And then she blushed like rose petals and apples. It didn't take much to get us walking to the chapel for the honeymoon. We drove to Old Faithful. I fell into a geyser. The burn was painful. Ow, ceremonial offering. The ring slipped off, plop, dropped it, in. Hot spring didn't stop us though from popping out offspring. Third ceremonial offering, you don't stop. Keep loving them, saying, Man, keep loving them. Ah, Keep loving them, saying, Man, keep loving them. Keep loving them, saying, Man, keep loving them. And you don't stop.
2: And that was Sandman Sandman and the Radio 8 band, although it was Sandman solo, but it was a Sandman and the Radio 8 band show. In fact, the same show that that version of Radio Works Fine was recorded. This was the second song of that night right after Radio Works Fine and that was recorded at Obsidian in Olympia, Washington as part of a Radio 8 Ball show on September 3rd, 2015. And what a show it was. Wowza. What a what an event. You can view the show in its entirety On Vimeo, and I'll provide a link in the show notes. Oh boy, oh boy, how many people could come up in that? Uh, I don't think that Sandman, maybe, maybe Sandman's the person who is dying inside for a conversation I could provide, but since his song is about his exes, it's a ceremonial off ring, like taking the ring off uh and since Heidi Love my ex-wife was featured in the Pop Oracle song of the day i mean the obvious answer might be her although um i don't want to go into it but she's pretty much made it clear she kind of wants to just move on so I- i'm not uh i'm not a believer in forcing conversations on people who uh, have made it clear they don't want them. So that's a little bit of a conundrum, and it makes me think... Well, certainly I'd I'd always be open to that conversation if it came about. But it makes me think of other exes, because Chris Sand is singing about not just his first ex or his second ex, who was best friends with mine, uh, but his third ex, who is now... uh, He's asked questions about on subsequent shows and she's the mother of his child and I certainly have a number of people that I have been in love with and who have been in love with me and who are now I guess exes uh, some more ex than others and again there's just something about I got to thinking I mean So the thing about what made the conversation with Brian about anti-Semitism so good was that I didn't have to ask for that conversation. He brought it up, which made me feel much more welcome to engage it. And thinking along those lines, it sounds like perhaps... I should be the one bringing up some kind of conversation with some or like some in terms of one particular or some in terms of some number of people with whom I've been intimately engaged in the past and am no longer in a way that is generous to them. And depending upon how many relationships you've had in your life you may get how that could be a very, uh, I don't know, a very tough line to walk. I mean, there are certainly people who have tried to engage me in conversations that I wasn't ready for, or I didn't, you know, just sort of out of the blue, like, hey, I got a question for you about something that's really sensitive to you. And my response has never been, I don't say never, but my response. Well, internally, my my response has rarely been one of feeling thought about or uh, being valued in the conversation. It's more like, "Hey, you're, you know, I'll use an example. You're a person who lives with a disability. I want to talk with you about disability, this particular one of yours." Eh, it might be a little, you know, maybe you're not in the mood to talk about that or to be the resource on that for everyone. Um, I don't know why I picked on a disability. It could be, you know, your identity, you know. You have a friend who's gay and you say, hey, I want to ask you questions about being gay. and eh, Maybe you don't want to have that. And then <clears throat> that sort of, that's what I'm, I'm thinking about in terms of anti-Semitism. Sometimes people have just come up on me and tried to engage that conversation in a way that I didn't feel like was about trying to understand it or me so much as, uh, you know, just projecting on me. And that's what I would fear, just sort of going through people who I used to go out with and saying, hey, is there some conversation you need to have with me? So I guess it's that there needs to be something a little bit more thoughtful about that. That was the thing about uh, the conversation with Brian was that it was thoughtful without giving me the impression that he gave it much thought. It was that natural reaction to engage someone where they are because you know them and because you're on the same wavelength. I mean, it's the synchronicity factor to a certain degree. I don't think Brian was intending to you know, provide me a powerful contradiction to my own internalized anti-Semitism in a way that made me feel massively less alone on this planet. Uh, But it did. And I think I'm definitely going to be thinking about my exes. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, and and appreciating the one person that I'm with who is not my ex. Uh, She's my current. And I want to keep it that way. Uh, So... Yeah, we have plenty of conversations, but maybe there's some conversation that she's not getting to have, or that I could have with her that would provide that, uh, I don't know, that balm to the uh, sense of feeling alone and misunderstood in the world. You gotta love them, Andres, keep loving them. You gotta love them, Andres, keep loving them. You gotta love them, Andres, keep loving loving them. Well, well, I think I'm just going to give it at least a day to think on this, come back with any final thoughts, and then we'll get this out to you. And I hope it brings some light to your life through your ears. Well, I had a couple of days to think about this reading, and I decided to reach out to our friend Chris Sand, a.k.a. Sandman the Rapid Cowboy, because this episode leaned so heavily, not just into him and his work, but into sort of uh, an era of my life that, uh, that he was intricately wrapped into. So uh, welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, Sandman.
4: Thanks a lot. Really, really good to be here.
2: So that was. Oh, I'm just. I, I, before I get into asking you any questions, I just kind of wanted to let you respond to the episode so far.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was a phenomenal episode. It it, it was just jam packed with layers of poetry in my mind, and it felt very. Apropos for the for the solstice, just the the lightness and the hope entailed. I, I know that you once told me that New Year's is your favorite holiday because that you know there's hope involved, and I feel like solstice is kind of similar oh, in yeah. that way.
2: Yeah. yeah. I just found it so. I've been struck with how strange and what the odds are. How phenomenally large the odds are against. <laughs> yeah what happened with the two songs that were played back-to-back at that show, which is probably the most ambitious filmed version of Radio 8 Ball we've ever done that is just jam-packed with its own massive synchronicities. I know. And that these two songs go back-to-back, and that that's in the context of Mr. Jones in the previous playing The Hard Feelings, which is also sort of a song cycle and songs played, that that the order of the songs played in the correct order is part of the artwork. Yeah. And it made me also think about how, I don't know if you remember, but the question that I asked that resulted in Radio Works Fine Is my answer was, will I be able to unlock the heart of Olympia? And oh, yeah. so there's that whole, it's that whole level of like, of reaching for the light, reaching for healing, reaching for the heart yeah. and coming up with a handful of darkness. <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. So that really struck me just contextually before we even get into what the song uh, ceremonial offering is about yeah and again how much the time that you are singing about in that song tracks parallel to times in my life even to the point where the second verse is about a person that you were with we won't say their name who was best friends with my wife who made an appearance in the Hard Feelings uh, recording? So yeah. just and all of that happened in Olympia, which is yeah. the the heart of Olympia that I I was asking about at that episode on September twenty third, twenty fifteen, at Obsidian, where you played with the Radio Eight band. Yeah, yep. And then uh, yeah, so is there anything you want to comment on just about that that level of context?
4: Uh well, you know, we're not if we're not going to mention names. Um, I will say that that your wife had a had a name that relates to the heart. And
2: I said her know, name on the episode. I I'm, okay. I'm, I'm outing her. Yeah, I said I called right. her Heidi Love. I didn't want to out the people in your song.
4: Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, but Heidi Love, you know, uh, right? For you to have a wife, of course your name is going to be last name is going to be Love. Um, it just fits in with the poetry. <laughs> yeah. Unlocking the heart. I, I took a lot of notes, so I have other thoughts, but I, I want to keep it clean and tidy. But if you want to
2: give me your notes, what else, what else you got?
4: Well, both of our, you know, both of the big, the big ones for us, both were, you know, he- Heidi and Hannah uh, H is the eight is just the eight. Oh so yeah. So just the eight ball magic. Um, both Radio Works Fine and um, A Ceremonial Offering, they both reference, well, in Radio Works Fine, I reference Charlie Pride for one thing, who just died last week. Oh, yeah. You know, not too many people reference Charlie Pride. so the fact that that song came up... um,
2: And And the Beastie Boys, which is all about uh, (laughs) Jewishness and... (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Perfect.
4: Yeah. Um, But in that song, when I say I think Charlie Pride and the Beastie of Bush come together it's kind of about um, it's about this con- big conversation that I want America to have which is you know black people and Jews have given so much to this country you know artistically and uh, and everything else you know sports and um, but it's we don't really we don't give credit where credit's due, we, we tend to still demonize and uh, animalize, you know, non-white people in, in a similar way. And so that's that, you know, that song has that, and then ceremonial offering, my first wife is black, my second wife is Jewish. Um, so they, they have, there's a rhyme that happens, kind of like your question rhymes. I've never heard one of your questions actually have a rhyme built into it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I wrote first song about failure and fail first song is about failure and failed relationships, but how nevertheless our internal mechanisms if tuned into will guide us. Um, and by the way, your, that whole set was incredible. Like it sounds so close to the how it sounded on the record. Just it's true you you had some monster musicians backing you up but you know they mat- you match them with your your lyrics and your voice but uh but one of those songs was about why must you hang up on me and my machine it's that same kind of idea about you know um a radio it's it's metaphor mm-hmm. metaphoric like why are you hanging up on this machine that could tune in i don't know anyway and then i wrote um so the first time that you that I realized you and I were gonna be 1994 is just is is chock full of poetry because that was I think the first year you and I kind of um, oh for one thing had a our friendship kind of began and I remember after an open mic that you and Heidi were doing we went down to some bar and Gabriel your brother Gabriel was along and we were all kind of hitting on this uh, gal named Dorothy Power I don't know if you remember that it was pretty. Obs- Hmm. But we were kind of hitting on this woman named Dorothy Power. And uh, I was just kind of flirting with her, basically. Mm-hmm. And she was enjoying it. And uh, I, I just remember you saying something that stuck in my head. It was the first kind of thing I remember you saying. Was, you were trying to explain. Dorothy was curious what our music was like because we had our guitars along. And you're like, well, me and Sandman here... Our music's kind of more similar, and then my brother Gabriel, he's he's kind of got his own thing going, and just you know, I was like, yeah, you and I do have a similarity, kind of an impeccable impeccability when it comes to lyric writing, um, humor, and uh, pathos, kind of mixed together, but just 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 these names, love, power, mm-hmm. um, casting, you know. My ex has the last name of Cassim, kind of this divide that you just can't, you know, it's hard to cross. Um, and then, let's see, what would be the, I guess that's that's pretty much it, but 1994, that was the year that I was pining for this woman named Gigi. And I just recently got in touch with her. So 25 years ago, I'd went on this trip trying to bring aid to the Zapatistas for the um, before the election in Mexico, and it took three weeks, and we had to smuggle our contraband across the border, and it was just the kind of one of these epic love affairs. We all made as far as Mexico City, and then she just basically disappeared, um, and she went to Belize. I wrote "Belmopan" as "Belmopan" if you remember that song.
2: Yeah, yeah, about her. And I mostly, tree, I like, remember. I also remember the harrowing story about. Being stuck on the bus and like getting terrible crotch rot.
4: I did. I found <laughs> out what that was. It's, um, gangrene. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it, it my, uh, my scrotum rotted off.
2: Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Well, you get, it grew back though.
4: It did, but there's still a slight
2: scar. Oh, jeez. I am sorry that, uh, listeners. <laughs> I am I am so sorry that I took this... We were going to go into a nice place to go off into the solstice, but now you have that image,
4: okay? It didn't stop me, though, from popping out
2: <laughs> <laughs> You Gotta love them, Sam, and keep loving them. Gotta love them, Sam, and keep loving them. So, Ceremonial Off Ring, you want to talk about that song a little bit? Tell a little bit about the background? I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious, and I've probably... Uh, Outed certain aspects of the the that I know about the personal history of the song, but is there anything that you? Well, again, I let's go to my question, which my question was: Who do I know who's dying inside for a conversation I could provide? Yeah. And what do you think about ceremonial offering as an answer to that question? I mean,
4: yeah, I think you were kind of right. You're spot on when you're like, when when it was Heidi, you know. That it might be Heidi. Um, but I, I don't see her as someone dying inside necessarily, but there's there's some something lost there that, uh, you know, like I think what happens in a divorce or a breakup is you just, there's a point where you just give up. Like there was deep love and then all of a sudden it's like a puzzle that's just too hard to figure out anymore. And you just you ba- You know, you bail because it's too scary. And, I, you know, I don't know from her perspective what that conversation is. Uh, it may tie into, you know, how you're, in this episode you talk a lot about how refreshing it was to have a conversation about anti-Semitism where you're not the one who brings it up, where there's a lightness to it, where, you know, unsolicited, um, you know, from Heidi, if Heidi had a question, if, if Heidi had a, a secret wish, I'm sure it would revolve something about being a woman um, or what, you know, just the struggle that, that men like, you know, men can never really truly know what, what is that battle? Um, it's one of the hardest oppressions for me to, I, I can look at anti-Semitism easier than I can look at sexism. I can look at even racism. Uh, just being a guy trying to understand women, I think there's a power dynamic that we just will never quite get, and so I'm sure I feel like that's been the major complaint in my my big relationships when there's been a breakup. It, it has something to do with uh, a gender a gender inequity a dynamic and be due due to the way internalized oppression works even women don't even know what it is all they know is they're mad all all they know is that yeah they're that they, they just can't do it anymore and so they they jump they bail and uh we're kind of us guys feel dumb and like what what just happened uh, i know for me I, i'm like god they're evil you know like how could they do this but underneath that underneath that it's they can't be it can't be about them being evil it has to be There has to be some sort of unresolved hurt that they can't even really ask themselves just because of the way sexism lays upon us like a heavy blanket and we you know we need we don't have much perspective uh women are getting closer but guys us guys are still kind of in the dark so it would be something like that like she probably would ha- love to have a conversation about, like if you were able to unsocially bring up uh, something around sexism, and were able to do it in a light way, the way your friend did is it Brian. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and there was just a, uh, you know, magnet magnanimity to it. I bet she you know, you know, would break down crying. I, I want my, the very first woman who I am in, in that song, very first woman who I did marry was African-American and she was very beautiful. Um, we, when we broke up a month before our wedding, we had all the, you know, our outfits and everyone was coming to this big Catholic church and uh, the cards were out, everything. Um. She was in, Germany doing Ella Fitzgerald impersonations or you know singing to army crowds and she was going to fly in and we were going to get married but every time we talked we'd get in a fight and I finally said if, if if you start a fight again with me then we need to wait at least a year until you're back in the States I don't want you to just fly in and get married when every conversation we have was so fraught and um and then she started a fight and I was like okay that's it. this this engagements over until you get back to the states well we never talked for five years after that and when i finally saw her it was in missoula montana in this little um, cafe and i pulled all my resolve to just say i'm really sorry i didn't know what i was saying i'm sorry for all i knew is she was she felt really hurt and could barely talk and so i just said i'm i just said i'm sorry i didn't You know why and she just started bursting out crying Um, and I still don't know what I did but it was a conversation she wanted to have And, and it was something I was able to provide to her that was very useful to her and after that we were able to you know more or less be friends even though we still didn't really talk much so maybe maybe it's
2: Heidi. Yeah, uh, it's funny because that was my interpretation yeah. when, in the moment, when I uh, first heard the song. Yeah. But I've had a couple of other thoughts since then. Um, first of all, because as I said, when someone says they are they, you know. Don't call me. I'll call you. you know, yeah, I I don't call that person. I try. I take. I take boundary, You know, clearly communicated yeah. boundaries pretty seriously, and I just don't feel like it's possible to provide someone a conversation that they want if they have said that they don't want it. Just the right. f- the very act of trying to have that conversation is a sort of is a kind of a disregard for what a person has said to you. So. Yeah, agree, agree, Um, agree. and to a certain, um, and to a certain degree, I kind of feel like that with every one of anyone who is an ex who I'm aware that there's, I feel like there's some kind of conversation that we need to have. Yeah, there's some level of like by engaging the conversation, it's kind of a power play in and of itself that seems like. And again, there's multiple different cases, and some of them might be, might be more, might be better, and some of them it might be worse. But in a way, I felt like I need to take my mind off of that because that's like me trying to force a conversation and that's not the feeling tone of what I was trying to reach towards is that thing of like that amazing surprise of like, oh my God, I can't believe that we're having this conversation now. I didn't, I had no idea it was, it would mean so much to me. Yeah. So two things that came to mind were one, just the song is a ceremonial offering Uh, and so there's a, it's a, there's some level of, uh, the ritual of the solstice and that there's like, it has to happen on the internal level, on the metaphoric level. It has to be almost like, it's like the wax on wax off thing, like Uh create the intention and the activity internally of meeting of, of looking for and, uh, and seeking out the conversations where you can meet whoever you're, you're talking to in a place where, what well, can we, you know, not just, because what was cool about this conversation was we were talking about a film that we both liked, but the way that that conversation happened allowed this other conversation to happen. So it's sort of like that. It's like, how can I create ceremonies and rituals that prepare me to meet in the moment the person who shows up and there's a conversation that they're dying inside for that I can provide. Uh And because it's not an ex or someone who has a lot of history, Uh there's a kind of, there's something clean about it. And you can be more like a vessel from the universe, offering something, someone as opposed to someone out of the past coming with, you know, just more hassle, you know, more, whatever, and a repetition of a story and all this stuff. And it's like, You know, that's not what I'm dying inside for. I'm dying inside for some peace from that, (laughs) right? Uh Uh-huh. In a way, and then there's a part of that, it's like, well, what about the ceremonial offering of just, like, letting all of the breakups really just be broken up? Like, really let them be broken up. Ceremonially take off the ring. Like, stop even having the conversation in my own head about it. Stop having the complaint in my own head about it. Like, just, like, appreciate the breakups for what they are, that they are done and that's over. And that by clearing that space, maybe even psychically somewhere in the distance, Heidi or someone like anyone, cause it's not just her Heidi or someone who also I've been in, you know, intimately with some part of them just feels less psychic dissonance and they don't know why they don't know. It's not because of me, but it is because of me right yeah it's like because i can let go of it totally somewhere in the far distance someone has a better day with whoever they're with and they don't even think about me yeah right yeah Uh, so that was the other thing and then and then this is just a sort of the out of the blue thing and it's actually the part that has me inspired so it makes me think that it's at least worth pursuing is i was thinking about my band thinking about the band I played, played with, Mr. Jones and the Previous, and those guys that I played that music with, the hard feelings yeah. with. And that night, after doing that reading, I had a dream about John Nason, the guitar player. Oh, wow. And yeah. I haven't spoken to him in a long time. He's not online at all. He, I don't uh-huh. know where he is. He was, he was on the OFS board, I mean, the Olympia Food Co-op board, when they passed the boycott, the Israel yeah. boycott. And so it's this weird thing where the last time we talked we were trying to be friends and help each other navigate through being on opposite sides of this thing. Yeah. But then it all just blew out. It got out of control. I just feel like maybe that's a less, maybe that's a place where I can actually do some good because I was the leader of the band and I sort of disappeared and I've been, you know, in my own isolation and you know, like, someone like John, like, it'd be nice to be able to let him off the hook for whatever, I don't know, if he's feeling any guilt about that, or uh-huh. or Colin uh-huh. Mahoney, like, all these guys, I've just, you know, I have such complicated feelings and such love and respect for them, but also sort of embarrassment for not achieving what we set out to achieve together, that uh-huh. I've kind of allowed that to make me smaller and less available. And so... There's a part of me that feels like, well, maybe that's maybe that's the the place to go is, you know, these folks didn't really break up with me. We just all went our separate ways. And in a way, it probably feels to them like I broke up with them. And Uh to the extent that I have, to the extent we haven't spoken. And so, yeah, so those are the other pieces of this. That that I got. Mm, uh, did you have, do you have any reflections on those?
4: Well, um, but you're you're kind of saying the Heidis of the past. It makes me think that the band is also of the past. If you're just by the same logic, yeah. Um,
2: but, but the band hasn't said, "Oh, I I need to go my own separate way." You know, just it's too complicated you know you go do you you I'll do me we just went off yeah. and like and it's what it's kind of like the way guys do like we didn't that we didn't have some big conversation or we had lots of conversations <laughs> but we never had some sort of like okay well now this is what our friendship looks like it's like you know if we're not doing something together then we're doing something with someone else <laughs> you
4: know right right yeah
2: and we still th- probably still love and think good things about each other but if we are like we're You know, we're just, I don't want to like make it just like, oh, because we're guys, Um, you know, I'm going to make it on them. It's like this is the the whole point of a reading is to have it be about the person who's asking the question and how it, you know, at least for me as the person asking the question to keep it on me. And yeah, so I think I start with the idea of doing the ritual work for myself, the ceremonial offerings of letting the past go, which is a very good Thing for all of us to think of at the solstice. Mm-hmm. Like, let yeah. this year—this year has a lot of wounds and a lot of ties. If any of them that we can cut and let go that's probably good. Um, yeah. And then still to, to think about—like for me, I can't help but think about the band. Listening to the hard feelings like that, it's—it's tr- it's a document that represents so many hours spent with these people, yeah, and it's so odd that I have no idea what's going on in most of their lives.
4: Yeah, me too. I I mean, I had a strong connection with, with many of them as well. Just, uh, yeah, curious, wh- where, where did everybody go? Last time I saw Johnny, I was playing a house concert, and that was 10 years ago, and that big synchronicity there was, that's the first night that I really met Hannah, my my wife, who I just I divorced. Um,
2: The third verse.
4: The third, yeah.
2: Cinderella Bin Laden. The one who I had the baby with.
4: And the fact that it was at his house, it was a house concert at Johnny's house, was the last time I saw Johnny, and Hannah was there. And I asked her out that night from the state, from Johnny's living room. And uh, she ran out of the, she ran away. Um, and I followed her out to the pickup and asked her why. and It turned out she was married at the time. But uh, within six months, she was living, living with me. <laughs> but yeah, Johnny, Johnny played a role.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot to ponder. The great thing about our Radio 8-Ball show is we don't know what the answer is when it ends. We may never know what the answer is, but I can tell you this. It's definitely going to make more sense... Once it's out there, than it does now. So uh, I look forward to finding out. Well, I think you now. answered
4: it by saying it's kind of the unknown. It's, so, it, it, it's not about the past. It's, a, it's a, a future person or maybe a present person who's now, just because we put it out in the universe, uh, is ready to ask you, you. know, Have you be the person that answers this important question to them.
2: I sure hope so. Come and find me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for giving your attention and intention to this episode of Radio 8 Ball Season 3 The Happening. Please remember to subscribe to Radio 8 Ball in your podcast app, and if you like the show, please help other people find us by rating and reviewing Radio 8 Ball positively. If you share your synchronicity story, I'll read it on the show. Of course, we encourage you to download the Radio 8 Ball app from the iTunes App Store, and check out our merchandise at the link on our website. And finally... I do hope you'll join our Patreon campaign where you can hear bonus episodes of the show. The Patreon link is in the show notes. We're going to go out with the randomly chosen Pop Oracle Song of the Day for December 20th, 2020, the eve of the winter solstice, when I recorded my conversation with Sandman and I'm recording this outro. It's John Hour of the band The Posies, performing live on Radio 8 Ball on KAOS and Olympia on March 27th, 2007. It's appropriately called Sundown. And with that, I'm out. Until next time, I'm your host Andras Jones wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle.
0: It's smoulder smoldering again Sundown slowly, waving like a guilty family friend There's too many, let's skip races to be won And then be free before a tangled web is spun every night is promissory gray And we shine like potential on an unimagined day And if I fail to test this blessing as a curse Well, i see you in all my contradictions memories will reverse shine in the night la 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 shine in the night la 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 shine in the night la 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 i believe if you will believe shine in the night la 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 in the night la la Waking up So keep me closer Don't you let me go And don't pretend we're sure of what I Hope we'll never know Tomorrow waits for no one Has the time to waste and life is sweet if you'll be driven by the hunger for the taste Sha la 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 I'll believe if you believe Sha la 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 Sha la, ah, la, 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 la 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 I believe if you will believe. Sha la 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 la, sha la 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 la, sha la 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 la. And
2: what was the name of that song, John?
0: Oh, uh, it's a song called Sundown. It's the Radio 8 Ball Show.